the internet. The great double-edged sword. If you're unfamiliar with the internet, here's Peter and Dasha from a 1994 video clip explaining why it's such a big deal. Let's start with the basics first. There are three important services you can access on the internet. Surfing the World Wide Web. Surfing? That sounds pretty cool already. Andrew, don't interrupt. Go on, Peter. Then there are news groups to share information with people. And then there's email. And it's not just for boys either. (laughs) I'll link to that video in the show notes. It's an entire half hour long, and every minute is excruciating. (laughs) Anyway, back to improving our conversations. Through the internet, we have access to more information than ever before, and the chance to learn from people we would never have met otherwise. But at the same time, the internet can enable us to become entrenched in our position, surrounded only by like-minded people, and we find ourselves even more separated and angry than we were before. Today, we'll be talking about the most dangerous of topics, engaging in political conversations on the internet. Let us begin. Take a spin, now you're in with the techno set. You're going surfing on the internet. If we were rational, logical beings, the internet would be the most unifying power on the planet. If we were rational beings, more information would equal better understanding of truth. And there's no shortage of information on the internet. Theoretically, we all have access to the same information. So we should be able to come to similar conclusions and implement solutions that actually create the greatest good. So what went wrong? The problem is we are rarely rational or logical when it comes to forming our opinions. This idea is explored in depth by a social psychologist named Jonathan Haidt in his book, The Righteous Mind. And luckily for us here at Elephant Dialogues, he uses an elephant analogy to describe how we humans tend to form our beliefs. He explains that there are two forces within each of us that help us form our opinions, the conscious and the subconscious. The subconscious is our intuition. You could also call this your gut or your instinct. And at a conscious level, we have our strategic reasoning, using logic and facts to think through the issues. If you had asked me a few years ago, I would have guessed that humans are pretty good at using reasoning and logic to form our positions. I certainly thought I was. But it turns out that the opposite is true. We tend to form almost immediate, instinctual, and subconscious conclusions on any given issue— and we mostly use our reasoning mind to defend those gut reactions later. Jonathan Haidt describes these two forces as the elephant and the rider. The elephant is our intuition, our subconscious, and the rider represents our logical reasoning. We often think the rider is in charge of where our moral judgments go, but the leanings of the elephant, our intuition and gut, far outweigh the tiny force of our logic. Let's look at some concrete examples. Alex Todorov studied this idea at Princeton University. In his study, he collected hundreds of photos of politicians who had won their election and paired them with photos of their opponent who had lost. He showed people these pairs with no information on who won or about their particular platforms or political party and left each image on the screen for only a tenth of a second. He then asked the viewer which politician seemed more competent. With no information at all, And without even time to process the image, the people in the study were still somehow able to come to a conclusion about which politicians seemed more competent. We come to hundreds of such conclusions every day, based only on instinct. What's even more surprising is that the people in the study picked the winner of the election about two-thirds of the time. This suggested to Todorov that we tend to form opinions instantly, faster than we can use logic or reasoning, and that these snap judgments are really hard to shake. 
evidenced by the fact that the politicians who won their elections were the same ones who inspired confidence immediately in that first tenth of a second, without any logic or reasoning about their particular platforms or policies. We humans make snap judgments and tend to stick to them. Our elephants, representing our intuition, lean immediately one way or the other, and it's not easy to change direction. So what good is the rider in this analogy? What good is our logic and reasoning? Turns out that it's more of a spokesman for the elephant, using words and debate to defend our initial leaning rather than shaping it. This is why shouting facts and figures rarely convinces people to change their mind. And this brings us back to the internet. I know a lot of people who simply don't engage in politics on the internet. That's 100% okay and probably really smart. I should probably do less of it, I'm sure. I think having conversations with friends and family face-to-face is far more productive than online conversation. But like I said at the beginning, the internet also gives us a chance to meet and learn from people outside of our bubble. We can chat with experts and hear people's stories. We can look up studies and read reports for ourselves. If we use it correctly, it can be a powerful tool. And before I get into some specific tips, I want to give a big old disclaimer here. I am not a perfect conversationalist online. You are more than welcome to go through my Facebook history and see all the times I got heated, sarcastic, and rude in my online political conversations. This is very much a learning process for me, and I'm still working on it. I want to say thank you to everyone who's called me out when I mess up, and thank you to everyone who's been patient and forgiving with me. A lot of what I'm about to share, I learned the hard way by doing it wrong. So here are a few tips I've learned. If you'd like to use the internet to expand your political awareness, hopefully some of these will be useful. Okay, tip one. You will never change anyone's mind through an online debate. Remember the elephant and the rider we talked about earlier? How we as humans make snap judgments based on instinct and then spend most of our logic and reasoning defending those initial judgments? That means that whomever you're speaking with through your keyboard has probably spent years using their logic and reasoning to defend their current position on any issue. Nothing they hear from some rando stranger on the internet is going to change their mind no matter how concrete your facts, figures, or logic. Our minds can be changed, and we'll talk about how to nudge those changes in the right direction, but using facts and logic to try and force someone to change their mind will almost never be the answer. So give up on that. That's not what the internet is for. So what is the internet for? Here's tip two. The internet is best used as we explore our own conclusions and blind spots. We may not be able to change anyone else's mind, but we can at least understand their thinking better, and use their perspectives to see issues in another light. Online discussions can help us remove ourselves from our bubble of thought and learn how someone in another situation might understand life. The central theme of this podcast is that we are like blind men trying to understand what an elephant looks like by leaning on each other's experience to fill in our blind spots. The internet is great for this. So rather than exerting effort to change anyone else's mind, simply ask a lot of questions seeking to understand the issue from all possible angles. Then you can simply say thank you and walk away with a better understanding. In some of our earlier episodes, we talked about the power of questions and how to encourage feedback. This is what I'm talking about here. I've had several really productive Facebook conversations where I simply outlined my perspective on an issue and then asked for what I might be missing in my assessment. I've learned a lot whenever I do that, and it generally reminds me that even when we differ in opinion, we're all just doing the best we can, And I don't leave the conversation feeling that the other side is evil or filled with hate. It's usually pretty productive. 
In fact, this leads to an interesting side note. If we give up on trying to force people to change their minds and instead simply seek to improve our own understanding, we may just end up inspiring others to change their own minds. In my faith, there's a scripture we often quote written by the prophet Joseph Smith in the 1800s. He's teaching about the proper use of God's power and authority to bless others, and I think it can fairly be applied to our online political conversations. Quote, No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and by love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge, which shall greatly enlarge the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. End quote. These are the things that actually persuade people to change. Long-suffering, gentleness and meekness, and love unfeigned. When people see you as antagonistic or angry, believe me, they're not going to listen to anything you have to say unless it affirms their current beliefs. But when they see you, someone with whom they disagree, acting with humility and kindness, I think they're much more likely to listen and use your experience to re-examine their own beliefs. I know I have turned people off with my intense arguments, and I'm constantly working on being more meek and loving. So these tips are as much for me as for anyone. Tip three. One of the most difficult things about the internet is anonymity. We are safe behind a screen, and sometimes we never have to meet the person with whom we're conversing. That allows us to say things we would never say in a personal conversation. It also allows people like Russian operatives to create fake accounts, posting material that's meant to divide and inflame. So tip three is to be very aware and cautious of anonymity. You do not have to engage in online conversation with people you don't know, especially if they don't even have a picture or real name associated with their account. And if you do want to engage in some conversation with a stranger, don't be anonymous. Introduce yourself before jumping into politics. We don't see it very often because we usually don't expect these online interactions to last very long. But what if we all acted like we were meeting someone in person before we started talking to them? I tried this recently. I follow a lot of political groups on Facebook and often join in on the conversations. But last week, before jumping in with a question or a rebuttal about what everyone was talking about, I said, hi, my name is Bryson, and I've been a conservative all my life. Do you mind if I ask you a question about what you said in response to so-and-so above? Honestly, it felt a little weird because we usually don't take that much time trying to make a connection before we rattle off why someone's wrong. But it also felt really nice. We had a great back and forth, and no feelings were hurt. So that's my tip three. Don't be anonymous. Introduce yourself online and be overly polite. Tip four. GIFs are a great way to lighten the mood online. And side note, it is pronounced GIF, and I will fight you on that. But anyway, one of my favorite ways to end a conversation online, especially if it got a bit heated, is with a GIF. There are lots of good ones to pick from, and they're a great way to end on a lighter note. If you found something you agree on, a good high-five GIF is a great way to go. My personal favorite is either the Jim and Pam no-look high-five from The Office or the Maverick and Goose high-five from Top Gun. If the conversation ends on a more sour note, perhaps a begrudging handshake is a more appropriate gif to use. There's a great one from Tangled where Flynn Rider and Maximus the Horse share a reluctant handshake. Whatever gif you use, the idea is that you want to communicate respect, even if you disagree. And gifs are a fun way to do that. The last tip, tip five, is to be wary of false information. Like I said at the beginning, there's no shortage of information on the internet and most of it's probably not true. 
It's really easy to grab a picture of a famous person, slap a fake quote on there, and watch it spread like wildfire. It's a good idea to get in the habit of fact-checking. Ask for original sources, or look them up yourself before jumping into debate. Be extra careful when it's information that confirms your current beliefs, because that's when we're most vulnerable to being deceived. You can use websites like PolitiFact or Snopes to check for common myths. And learn to look for primary sources and studies instead of just reading what other people say about them. So there you go, some of my tips for engaging in productive online conversation. It can be a powerful tool if used correctly. Here are the bullet points again, just real quick. One, understand that you're not going to convince anyone to change their mind online. Two, use online conversation to explore and flesh out your own conclusions and thoughts. This is a much better way to encourage unity. Three, don't be anonymous and be careful about interacting with anonymous people. Introduce yourself. Number four, GIFs are great and you should pronounce it GIF. Five, be super wary of false information. Look for original sources and fact check everything. I'm sure I missed some good tips here, so if you'd like to share one, call us. Our voicemail number is included in the show notes, and we'd love to include your tips in the next episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm Bryson Alley, and this is Elephant Dialogues. Subscribe, leave us a review, and we'll see you next week as we continue our experiment in better conversations. High five, Jeff. <laughs>